2: You may not always feel like the material that you're sharing sets you up to be a leader or paints you in the best light. But if you're telling
0: the truth, freedom is going to follow. Welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur and author. Here we go. Welcome back to the show. Today, my guest is Amelia Travis, and we actually met through the Bliss Project, which is my annual event that I have. And when I met her, it was kind of an immediate connection where she was telling me how the Bliss Project had affected her because I met her on day two of the Bliss Project. And it wasn't just about how the Bliss Project had affected her. She was really uh, sharing her story with me. And I know that it wasn't just her story. It was really the story of everyone who was there. And I knew that from that moment... Um, I wanted to be able to connect with her and, and share her experience and share her story of her life and what really brought us to this moment of meeting, to meeting all these people in this room. And I know that you are going to fall in love with her because I did immediately. So, Amelia Travis is a writer, a speaker, a business coach. She's an E. RYT 500. As the founder of Stoked Yogi, she's impacted thousands of lives through yoga education programs, stand-up paddle and surf experiences, and women's empowerment retreats. The journey to an empowered life was a long and winding road. She had body dysmorphia, people-pleasing, and perfectionist tendencies. This led Amelia down the path of drug addiction, disordered eating, abusive relationships, and a lifestyle called a sugar baby lifestyle. This spiraled her into a rock bottom of $100,000 in debt and a lost and broken heart. In 2009, a spiritual awakening led Amelia to the realization that she was the only one standing in the way of becoming the woman she wanted to be. So she decided to embrace messy, imperfect, unapologetic feeling and has since built and scaled a multi-six-figure business. She's certified over 700 yoga teachers in stand-up paddleboard yoga, and she's also coached hundreds of women to personal and professional success. She's been published in Yoga Journal, Huffington Post, she's also been a TEDx. Speaker. And in 2012, after breaking her back in a surfing accident, she realized that her life is too short to do anything but what you love. And dreams exist for a reason. Her personal mantra is set your intention, breathe it to life. And you guys, on this podcast, uh, we are doing a giveaway. So if you love it, and if you share it on your Insta stories, and you tag both of us, if you tag both Amelia Travis at Stoked Yogi. And we'll share all of that in the show notes. And if you tag me and you share your biggest takeaway, we will be picking five people to send gifts to. It's either going to be an earn your happy mug or it's going to be a stoked yogi hat or a tote and a bag, whatever that looks like. So we will all be set. We will be sending you gifts. So for five of you, when you share your biggest takeaway, we're going to send you a gift and we'll let you know at the end of the week. So this comes out on a Monday. We will let you know on Friday. So the more you share, the more chances you have to get that gift. But you guys, this podcast truly. I mean, I I think I probably cried two or three times through this podcast in the most beautiful way. Um I really loved this conversation more than I can tell you. And I know that you'll be able to find yourself or find some truth or, you know, free yourself from some contradictions in your life or just fully accept those contradictions and the way that your path is playing out and realize that the way your path is playing out is so perfect for your journey. So let's get started. Amelia, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for coming on.
2: Thank you. This is so exciting for me. I feel super blessed to be here.
0: Okay, so you were just sharing with me um, just a little bit about your experience at the Bliss Project, because that is where we first met. Um, And I just remember, it's so crazy because I was telling you right before this that a lot of people ask me like, how do people get on your podcast? Or how are people speakers at Bliss? I'm like, you know what? I just get something in my gut and it's like, just do it. And I don't question it. Well, maybe later I question it, but then I try not to question it. (gasps) And you would come up to me during, um, I think we were taking a picture together. And Mm you had just left a mark, kind of, but just by honestly, openly sharing your experience. And it was like a 30 second to a two-minute transaction. I don't even remember, but I remember your energy. I remember how you made me feel. Hmm. Uh, and it was so much of you literally walked up wanting to share what you got out of it and wanting to give me value. And it, I think it was such a turn of just a, a, a feeling of energy coming into me that I was like, okay. And I remembered you. And then I think I got the request later on. And I was like, yes, because I remember. What that felt like, so I always think that's important for people just to hear like how it actually works and what it looks like. Um, But you were sharing a little bit of your experience um, from the Bliss Project because I think it's so cool when people come from you know maybe a different background. You're in the yogi world, like you are immersed in the yogi world and helping. um, I think it was like 700 different yoga teachers get certified. Uh, For stand-up paddleboarding, like you are in it, you are teaching leaders. So, Mm -hmm. what was it like to come from that world into um, the Bliss Project for you? Oh my gosh, it was a bit terrifying, not going (laughs) to
2: lie. So, my coach actually told me to come because I'm making a transition in 2018 and 2019 from being a leader in the yoga industry to also leading in personal development in entrepreneurship, specifically for creative female entrepreneurs. And so part of that, as you know, is getting yourself into that environment and into that world. And she was like, you need to go to some of these entrepreneur conferences or events. And there's one close to you. It's in Newport Beach. It's with this this girl, Lori Harder, and she's really great. And I wasn't familiar with you, but I was like, I had told my coach when I signed on with her, I'm going to do absolutely everything that you say for the next... Four months, wow, right? Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was in it, like and super so teachable,
0: super coachable. That's like huge
2: because that's not my natural way. My okay. natural way is like super defensive, and I do everything. I learn everything the hard way. I do everything my way. <laughs> what, made you, what made you switch? Oh man, um, realizing that there's only a certain level of success that you can rise to without that teachable spirit, oh. and recognizing that sometimes I had reached and achieved every goal that I had for myself thus far. I had grown and scaled my business to the biggest vision that I had had of it so mm. far. And then I was like, oh my gosh, what now? And mm. I knew that I, I, needed to, um, I needed to do something differently. So I started working with this coach and, and really the reason that she sent me, Lori, and I think this is really important, is that I had said to her, I feel like there's a click of mm. women who are successful in this entrepreneur personal development landscape, and i I want to know how to get in it mm. and more more specifically than that, and a little bit less uh, mature or something, I was like. How the heck are all these girls getting featured in Forbes and Entrepreneur and this yeah. magazine and that magazine and they're hanging out with each other and they're tagging each other on Instagram. <laughs> I was like I, I just yes. feel like I'm on the outside looking so I'm glad you're saying this. What the heck? So yeah, and I know there's thousands if if not, you know, millions of women out there who feel this same way. They feel right. like there's a secret to it and I don't know what the secret is, right? And so I was expressing that in a really frustrated way to my coach. And she was like, listen, you have everything that you need to be successful. You do need to start networking. You do need to get out there and meet people. You can't, you can only make it so far when you're an isolationist. And when you're like, you know, you are the be all and end all of your business. Like teamwork makes the dream work. Throw a little cliche in there because it's true. Mm -hmm. You got to get out there and network. So I'm like, "Fine." Fine, coach, I'll network. Yep. Um, so she's like, go to the Bliss Project. It's close to you. You know, Lori's awesome. And I was like, fine. So I bought a ticket. And when I showed up, Lori, I was so scared. And that scared was coming out as me being kind of a bitch. Like, I was like closed off. You know, I was being really skeptical. I was like, look around all these, you know, your team who are so enthusiastic and so loving. And I was just kind of rolling my eyes at them. I was like, oh, it feels like a
0: sorority, you know? Like, <laughs> just,
2: yeah. look out, how are they re- They're not really that bubbly. They're not really that nice, you know, just being a little punk. And uh, one of your girls who checked me in offered to give me a hug. And I was like, kind of cold shouldering her, you know, the first night. And, I went up to my room and hung out in my room like by myself, hiding out that first night. And the next morning we came in. And if you guys haven't been to the Bliss Project, it's like everybody's waiting outside. You hear the music turn on. You can feel the energy shift. The people who have been before are pumped. They're like beyond stoked, ready to get in the doors. The people who haven't are kind of like hanging back towards the back of the crowd. Looking around at everyone with like shifty eyes, you know, like why are these people so excited? And we got into the room, and, you know, within three hours, probably less than that, I had cried my eyes out. I had taken Mm -hmm. just pages of notes. I had, um, you know, been forced to stand with a complete stranger and share my deepest fear or something like that. and it was like a switch flipped. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that one of the biggest things that impacted me was you said, this is a room where we say, come up here, mm-hmm. join. Mm-hmm. And I got chills all over my body as you said that, because I was like, this, this woman, she gets it. And mm-hmm. she's the kind of leader that I want to be, the kind that brings people in and the kind that holds the mirror for women and reminds them like, I'm not different from you. Mm-hmm. I just decided to do the damn thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I and and so that was so impactful like you know, Lori I jokingly said to you earlier like by the middle of the day I had fully drunk the Kool-Aid. <laughs> by um the next morning and I think later that afternoon, you guys if you see the pictures from the Bliss project, you'll see my little happy butt <laughs> up on stage next to Lori with my little space buns in my hair like dancing like a Crazy woman, because I was having that much fun, and because the energy was that transformative. So, to go in 24 hours from, you know, I hate this, I don't want to be here, it's a bunch of mean girls, I don't fit in, you know, I'm alone, to feeling like I am not alone. I am in a room of 500 other women who are just like me, who are feeling the exact same things as me, um, and we all have a right to be here. Mm. And it was I think the biggest thing, Lori, is that you, that event and your presence there gave me the reminder and the permission slip to show up and shine in my business and take that spirit of inclusion and of love and to be a person who is doing that in this personal development and entrepreneur landscape for women, because maybe everybody's doing that at their events. I don't know, girl, because I haven't been to very many, (laughs) but um, I don't, I would be shocked if that energy is present at every event. And it was deeply, deeply healing and transformative for me. And I'm so thankful to have that experience early on because now I the bar is set very high, Lori,
0: for other <laughs> events. <laughs> well, you know, there's something about that though that you were saying, and thank you, is you guys can't see us, but um, we we're both sitting there with like tears in our eyes at one point, um, just because that's exactly what I... Had hoped for people coming, but a lot of that is because of how you showed up. So um, that's something that I want to say is for whenever I've been to an event and whenever I have been taught by former mentors, like it's so much about you being willing to be a student. And something that you had told me was that you all of a sudden kind of switched to being like, hey, I could be a leader in this room. Like people might need to hear what I have to say. I might be able to help some people. Maybe I'm not just showing up for me. Maybe I'm showing up for other people. And that's a conversation that I think is so important for us to have as leaders as well is you know when you have women coming to your retreats too, it's not just about what do I get? It's like you had said that, right? What can I give? And I think that's how we get the most out of every experience is flipping it from oh I'm going to this entrepreneur event to maybe meet this person or do that or get that like you're not that's not going to be the best experience for you. Yeah. It's like stripping back and and that moment for you just share a little bit more about how that that kind of what was that that flip like what could I give? There are a couple things. So, one, this idea, this concept of what can I bring to
2: a situation versus what can I get from a situation, it was offered to me by someone last summer when um, I was sharing with them, oh, I've been looking for a home church for like years because I just never really found a place that I felt like I fit in. And she said to me, you know, I was like, this church, I like the, the worship, and this church, I like something else. And, but I just, you know, I don't, there's not one that's been perfect for me. Mm. And this friend looked at me and she said, What if it's not about what you can get from the church, but what you can give to the church? Mm. And I like full body chills as I say that because I'm like, Oh, maybe, you know, she was like, Maybe the church that you're supposed to go to doesn't look like what you necessarily think it's supposed to look like because you're supposed to bring your unique hotline and your, your connection to God into an Mm. environment where they're not necessarily seeing it that way. Mm. And I was like, Ooh, that's really profound. Right. And so, (laughs) yeah. So when I showed up to bliss, part of it was uh, yes, a powerful intention to arrive with a teachable spirit because as someone who does host events, though they're on a smaller scale, I'm very used to being the leader. Mm. I'm very comfortable being the one that's on stage. I'm less comfortable being the one who's there to learn. Mm -hmm. And um, that in and of itself was important for me to see. But I think that the switch flipped when I was, you had us do some partner exercises. And I had prayed before the event that I would meet the exact right people, not meaning what I could get from them, but just the right people, whoever I'm Mm -hmm. supposed
0: to meet. That's so key. What you just said though, whoever you're supposed to meet, not like who can give something to you, but maybe you were supposed to. Yeah.
2: Oh, and it was the first exercise we were doing. We were talking about, oh gosh, something that we wanted to create or do. And then writing all of our, our old stories about why we couldn't do that thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, the woman that I was partnered up with and we were supposed to just out of pure intuition, like tell the other one how they could accomplish this goal. Right. Mm -hmm. So I get paired up with a woman and she's like, I'm a brand new yoga teacher, and oh <laughs> I want to create, you know, this programming for kids' yoga, and I, I want to do a blog, and I just I don't feel like I can do it and nobody will read it. And I'm just like giddy and laughing because I'm like, <laughs> I am literally the perfect person to uh, help you with this, right? Then I share with her that what I wanted to do was create an event uh, similar to the Bliss project on a smaller scale you know, and here's all the reasons that I felt I couldn't do it. And she was an event planner. And so she, right. And so she starts, and we're just both laughing. And it was like that moment happened probably hour two or three of the first morning. And it confirmed for me, like, yes, you are going to learn things here. You will network and make some connections. But more importantly, this is an opportunity for you to serve when there's no spotlight on you. Mm -hmm. For you to give to people when you're not going to get any accolades or any fanfare for that, you know, you don't have to be the leader to serve, Mm -hmm. and that's always your role that you need to be in. And it was like God spoke that so clearly to me in your event, and it was just so that was a big part of the shift. And then, and then the other huge part was hearing and seeing you so gracefully and so honestly weave your spirituality into your event. Mm -hmm. That is something that I had a lot of pain and struggle through over the last year. Um, I did a, it was called Spirit-Led Yoga, a 200-hour teacher training that was teaching the intersection of Christian theology and yoga philosophy and why these things are not mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. But it was hard. It was definitely an experience in two populations or two you know, belief systems that have perceived that there's a lot of conflict there.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And to make it a really short story, it basically had me call into question all of my belief systems and how I'm sharing those in the world and just feeling like I just can't do it. I got to keep it separate. You know, I can't mm-hmm. talk about my spirituality. I can't talk about my beliefs. And, you know, that was that's what I said to you when we took a picture was right. I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh my, I said I want to thank you for reminding me that you know, I I've, I've been feeling like I got to take God out of my business." Mm-hmm. And you were like, "No, keep him in it." And whatever way you relate to God, source, spirit, universe, you know, the foundation of being, whatever word you want to call it, even if you say life or love or energy or nature, That hotline and that connection, you guys, it's the most freaking important thing in existence. So my misalignment, a huge part of it that I was struggling with and in pain with last year was feeling like I needed to compartmentalize or like I needed to keep things separate instead of just doing what you do, Lori, which is like, be yourself and tell the truth. And like, Mm -hmm. no, those who mind don't matter.
0: And like those who matter, they don't mind, Mm -hmm. you know? Oh, I love that. You said so many beautiful things. Number one, you don't have to be the leader in the room to to serve. In fact, I literally bank on God, source, spirit, whatever you believe, putting people with that attitude like you showing up in the room, knowing that I'm, yes, I'm on stage, but I'm just facilitating an experience. Like I know that you know that about your events too. It's like, I actually count on, like I have so much faith. Knowing that I am not you know controlling their transformation, it's a bunch of people showing up with the intention of transforming together that they hold space for each other mm-hmm. and I think that's vital for people to hear who do want to do events. I think it's vital for people to hear that our leaders to take the pressure off yourself and know like empower your people to show up as leaders like remind them that the most important thing that they can do is what you just said mm-hmm. like you don't have to be a leader even in your life. Like you can be making massive transformations. And I really do believe that we are put on this planet to serve. And it's like when we're not serving is when we're miserable, you know? Mm-hmm. When we're like, how can I get? How can I get? I well, and how
2: much pressure it would be on you to feel like in your ego that you have to literally personally transform 500 plus women like that is oh i used you know. to so know about it like
0: it <laughs> me, uh, the first couple of years i was like oh my god i can't breathe like and then when i took the pressure off like this is not this is not me at all like that was the most relieving thing i've ever experienced in yeah yeah I'm it was... a yoga teacher too like teaching people and facilitating in these retreats and these really heart-centered things that you're teaching it's like oh my God, we can put so much pressure on ourselves to... That's why people don't lead and why they don't speak is because they forget there's another element, right? So what do you do going into stuff? And I know you mentioned prayer and I know you mentioned probably some different rituals. Um, what are some things that you do to like take that pressure off before you lead?
2: Yeah. So prayer is huge for me. I, I ask for the exact right people to mm-hmm. be at the event. And that gives me permission to remain non-attached in, in sales as well and in marketing because mm-hmm. it's like the exact right people who are, are supposed to come will come.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I prepare. like I'm pretty anal. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. type A about making sure that um, that I provide people start to finish with a really clear communication about what they're gonna experience which I think helps people feel safe and it helps mm-hmm. them trust me and it helps me trust myself that I have even if we don't stick to the plan that we have a really clear plan and an yep. intention of what we want people to receive or what we want people to experience mm-hmm. um, and that's always a little bit different you know it depends on each each event um, another thing that I do is I ask the guests the participants, to bring their whole selves. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I ask them to bring an aspect of that leadership that you and I are talking about. So like one little example is when people come to my retreats, I'll often ask them to bring some sort of little token. It could be a poem Mm -hmm. or a crystal or like a feather or something that's like sacred to them. Because in our closing, we're going to have them partner up with someone and exchange what will certainly be like the most perfect little... Thing for each of them. Mm. Um, in some events, I've also asked women to bring their gift. So, like, not a physical gift, but like, bring your voice, bring your song, make music, teach a meditation. Like, bringing, like, actually, even though they're paying me to come to this retreat, asking them if they're willing and if they want to to also facilitate a small part of that because I believe that is part of empowering wow. leaders. Just like you, you did this, Lori. Though this is like. I mean, uh, and that was part of why I was like, God, I love her because I saw how you brought these women who have impacted you up onto the stage to share their gift, regardless of whether they were, you know, big on Instagram or, you know, famous in some way. It was like, that was not important at all. What was important was the soul work that you guys had done together and letting them share that with the world. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's part of it. And then, yeah, I mean, I have a little bit of, of ritual that I do... For events and also just for even like being on this podcast like come I come into the room 10 minutes early and I do this with my retreats and venues and stuff too and shut the door and Palo Santo you know mm-hmm. the space cleanse cleanse the energy I put on music and I dance <laughs> like I get my <laughs> energy up yeah um, because that's super important for me to get out of my head and into my body so that I can be present. And then depending on what the situation is, like for today, I lit a candle that is for the throat chakra. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm pulling> such a <laughs> yarn. Um, so, so that I would remind myself to just tell the truth. Mm. And um, and then yeah, I mean, basically when I say pray, I think that's the most important thing for me because it's reminding me that there's a bigger picture that's that it's not about me, you know, and I'm there as the channel, like I'm there because i was called to do this work which is to hold the mirror for women help them see that no matter how fucked up their life is am i allowed to say that on your show yeah. cuz i just did okay <laughs> no matter how fucked up their life is that they have everything in them to be the woman that they imagine that they could be or maybe the woman that they can't even quite imagine yet but that they see in other people like you or like me. And they think, gosh, I wish I could be like her. Mm. Um, And so I just pray for them to be, I pray for them to get exactly what they need. Like Mm. I don't even pray for myself. I pray for the people. I mean, I do pray for myself to not be in, you know, to get out of my ego, but I pray for them to get what Mm. they need and for it to be exactly what it's supposed to be. And it always is, even when it's a shit show or when things are hard or when things go sideways, like it's always for a purpose.
0: So when you were praying to be the woman that you are now, and I'm sure that there's a prayer of you know, becoming even more her, where were you at where if you could see who you are now, that would have been like almost unbelievable for you? Mm.
2: There are two distinct turning points. The first was 2008, I was twenty two years old I was uh, i left a six year abusive relationship and fled basically I grew up in California spent six years with this guy helped raise his daughter from the time she was five to the time she was ten you know even though she was only eleven years younger than me um, and I'd put everything into that and it took me a long time to choose myself and decide to leave um, and when I did, I left with a lot of a lot of baggage. I left severely anorexic, addicted to prescription painkillers and Xanax. Um,
0: you know, leaving a job. On, like, do you remember the moments of like what brought that on? Where you're like, wow, where you really started relying on, um, you know, just crutches, numbing. Oh man,
2: you know, a lot of it was. Um, Was control like I didn't have control of anything in my life. I felt like I was being controlled by this partner. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, when I started dating him, I was 16 and he was 22. And there, if if you've ever been a 16 year old girl, friends, you know that it's a there's not a lot of trust in ourselves often because we're Mm -hmm. culturally and socially conditioned to not. Trust ourselves to believe right. that others know better. To not trust our bodies, you know, to believe that our bodies are are sinful or wrong or bad. That desire is bad. That hunger is bad. You know, um, and so I didn't have a lot of trust in myself, and I allowed myself to be controlled by this person. But I believe that controlling my eating was one thing that I could control, mm-hmm. and so i i I also wanted to make myself smaller physically mm-hmm. I think from the sense that I wanted to disappear like i didn 't want to be in that life. Um, my dad was also terminally ill, and i couldn 't control that um, and then the the self medicating in terms of like using drugs like you know I've always been an incredibly curious person so altered states of consciousness are interesting to me whether that's through meditation or through drugs mm-hmm. but through the drugs that was definitely I mean especially like the drugs that I was abusing prescription painkillers and Xanax both of which they're numbing blankets like that's what they do if your feelings are too intense those are going to take away your feelings <laughs> you know what I mean and yeah. I needed to not feel
0: I want I want to dive into
1: that a little bit because I
0: do think um, people are doing this on so many levels right now that they don't even they don't even realize what they're numbing and it's really like I think that we all are I want to talk a little bit about the you know what was it that you were numbing was it also purpose was it because you weren't the person you knew you were supposed to be or what oh, yeah was <laughs> for you when you were like because I, I remember I would do this with alcohol all the time and sometimes mm-hmm. Of alcohol, it was like it it was almost like it would get me more attached to my purpose, and then it just wipes would like wipe it out.
2: I mean, I would say maybe that with weed, like that I felt like it increased my creativity or whatever. But I would say growing up, one of the things that was said to me most often was, Oh, Amelia, you have so much potential. Mm. And it was always said in a way that it was like the unspoken was, and you're not doing anything about it. Mm. Right. So I grew up like my mom was a psychologist. My dad was an attorney. They gave me an IQ test when I was five and I I scored very high on it. And so That and I'm sure just my behavior, they were like, Oh, this girl's really smart, she's gonna go places, right? Whatever that means. Mm -hmm. And um, and then, you know, I was chubby as a child and I had poor body image. And when I was like 13 and I I started to figure out that I could starve myself and get skinny, then boys started to pay attention to me and girls started to want to be my friend. Mm -hmm. And so I learned very quickly, like, if you're beautiful and thin, then people will love you, right? And that message was something that I really believed in. And so those things became important to me. Being skinny and being popular and being pretty became super important to me. And part of my, I think, use of drugs was really commingled with the anorexia. Like Taking drugs helped me not eat. Mm -hmm. Um, But it also... Yeah, there was totally this sense of like part of me knew, like, hey, probably not the greatest idea to be in a relationship with this guy that's, you know, six years older than you that has a kid that's kind of a, a loafer, you know. Um mm-hmm. the p- missing part of the story, my dad cheated on my mom after 23 years of marriage and left our family when I was 14. Mm-hmm. And so you talk about daddy issues, like mm-hmm. I had daddy issues. Like I mm-hmm. I didn't know. I had trust issues, you know, and here was this guy who was older, who was cute, who liked me. So I just went for it. Um, Mm -hmm. But what was I medicating? I mean, I was medicating the pain of my dad leaving. I was medicating, you know, my own failure to live up to this potential. I was medicating the fact that I was truant from high school and got you know kicked out and sent to a. I mean, I did independent study. They tried to send me to the the bad kid school. I'm putting that in quotes, you guys. I don't know what you call it. I was medicating the fact that I had felt like I disappointed everyone in my life,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and that I felt like it was too late to change that. And then there was part of me that has always been just a rebel, and so I was like, "If you tell me that I can't do these drugs or drink or you know whatever, then I'm going to do it. I'll mm-hmm. show you that I I can do. I'll do what I want. You know, even mm-hmm. if doing what I want is killing myself. Right. Um, so." It's a complex question and a complex answer. And I think for everybody who's dealt with disordered eating or addiction or both, like that's the question that we try to unpack for ourselves for the, the rest of life as we move through
0: mm-hmm. you
2: know, recovery or whatever whatever that looks like for you, moving out of being in an active addiction and inactive disordered eating into hopefully
0: a healthier state. So, what were some of the? What was the rock bottom that you were like? Oh, can't! And I know that it doesn't flip on a dime. Like, oh, here's my spiritual awakening, and I'll never be the same. Like, there are those moments mentally, but I think that it takes so many steps to get out of where you're at. Mm-hmm. So, what were the? Uh, what was the the thing that you're like? Wow, I cannot live this way anymore, and I'm going to take this act this first action step.
2: Yeah, so I when I left that ex, I drove cross country by myself. I ended up on the East Coast, and I found myself in sh- uh, sugar baby style relationships, which was um, something that I found on the internet. <laughs> Good old Google. If you don't know <laughs> how to pay your bills, um, and it was it was glorified yeah, it was glorified prostitution. I mean, basically, I didn't have a job. I didn't have. I was such. I was so deep in my addiction and in my disordered eating that it was very difficult to think about getting a job. And so I started dating older, wealthy men just for their money. And some of them really were wealthy, and some of them were con artists. And um, you know, it was like getting an allowance of—I mean, my my highest income in that fifteen thousand dollars a month to be someone's girlfriend. You know, and he was really well off and parts of it were fun
0: you know i got to have all okay, this so wait how do you even i'm super like unfamiliar with it so how did you even get into that like you actually got in a, like a payment for
1: being Yeah
2: so it was never or? quid pro quo meaning like right. this is how i justified it to myself i was like oh yeah. it's not really prostitution because they're not paying you for a particular sex act they're right. paying you to hang out with them and have dinner and be their girlfriend and it, it, whatever tomato tomato, you know what I mean. Yeah, I was totally. it was a shit show. Um, <laughs> how do you get into it? Yeah, Google literally. You Google it. There yeah. are websites where you can create profiles, just like online dating, and you can set parameters for what you're looking for. And you know, I I will say this. You know, I don't want to make it sound like a completely powerless thing. I had left an in in an abusive relationship, mm-hmm. and I set a very clear intention, and I said, I do not want Emotions involved in my next relationship. Mm. And I also wanted to take my power back. Mm. And this was a strange way of me trying to take my power back. It was also influenced by those daddy issues, but it was like, I'm going to use them, right? Mm -hmm. The way I feel like I've been used. And it's like, this is the cycle of abuse and this is the cycle of pain. Like, you take the pain that's been. Caused in you or the the perpetration mm-hmm. that's been done against you, and you do it to somebody else right mm-hmm. and so that's what I did and for two years, I told myself this was awesome, you know I did end up getting a job and I was working as a flight attendant while I kind of navigated this lifestyle, and you know I would buy the uh dior clothes and gucci and all the expensive stuff and mm-hmm but i was still drinking and i was still using drugs i started using a lot of cocaine and like still using using to medicate the fact that like this was shitty i did not want to be in this lifestyle it did not feel good to be with someone who i knew i wasn't actually in love with though you know with a couple of them i did convince myself that i was in love with them so rock bottom was you know finding out one of them was really a con artist he's in prison now mm-hmm. uh, I was dating two guys at the same time one one cheated on me with what I called a real hooker <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and the other you know I found out was engaged in all this criminal activity and I did have a god experience so I didn't have a relationship with God before mm-hmm. that period of my life and right in the in the middle of it I was in Myrtle Beach in a hotel room by myself and uh, I just didn't I, I had never believed in Jesus. I'd never believed in God, especially not Western, what I considered like Western Christian, you know, religion. I was willing to entertain all the other ideas, but that one was just like, no. You know, I thought Christians were the most judgmental assholes ever, which the irony is not lost on me now of <laughs> how judgmental I was. And so in this hotel room in Myrtle Beach, I, I said my version of a salvation prayer, which was, hey God, I'm not sure you're real,
0: mm-hmm. but
2: if you are real, I'm not very good at doing my life. Mm. <laughs> I'm kind of blowing it, you know. And uh, I don't think I can do it anymore. Mm. And I was—I wouldn't say I was suicidal, but I definitely had expended all of my options. I—I I was hundred thousand dollars in credit card debt, mm. Lori, because I put everything on credit cards. I was living in hotels and trying to be fancy, so I'm paying mm. three hundred dollars a night to stay at the Westin until that card's maxed out, and then. Go to a different place, right? Or sleep on some guy's couch, or sleep in some guy's bed, like whatever. Um, Hundred thousand dollars in debt, you know, trying to juggle this lifestyle, and and I just prayed. I was like, I I can't do it myself. So if you're real, I need help. Mm. And I had an experience of being brought to the floor, like to my knees, and then all the way down on my belly, <clears throat> and um, I just felt like held. And surrounded by this presence that was completely loving and completely accepting, and I just cried. I cried until I couldn't cry any anymore. Um, but I knew that that this was real. This God thing was real. And so then that lit this curiosity in me that I started to pursue a relationship. Um, so that was that was one thing. But then the next big turning point was. Uh, The guy who was a criminal, the bottom fell out for him. The other guy dumped me by email and I got the news that my dad was going to maybe live a couple more months all at the same time.
0: Mm.
2: And it was like, you talk about God or the universe or whatever, (laughs) pulling the rug out from underneath you. Like It was like I had waited that long and i wasn't making the change myself but the desire was there and so it was like god gave me the little turbo boost like yank the rug out from underneath me let me fall on and my ass around yeah. right and um and and so i was like i got to go home i got to go back to california i was splitting time between north carolina and ohio working as a flight attendant kind of kind of doing the sugar baby thing and i quit my job and i i moved back to california with no idea really what I was doing or where I was going to go. And I had eased up a lot on the drugs and the drinking. you know. And I got back to California, sat on the beach. And I would say this was the real turning point. It was September 7th, 2009. And the prayer that I said, I I did this meditation on the beach, just listening to the waves. And then I said this prayer and it was like, I give up. I give up. (laughs) I give in. And I just want to become the woman that you want me to be. I want to surf and I want to write and I want to paint and I want to do yoga and I want to be like a beautiful person. You know, I don't want to, I don't want this darkness anymore.
0: Mm.
2: And I, I know I haven't done very good at doing that myself. So I give up. And in that moment I swore off men. Like I was like, God, I don't want to date anyone for like <laughs> 5 years. I just want to be alone. Um and and I just really surrendered. Mm-hmm. And I don't even though I had started a relationship with God, I don't think I had really surrendered. And that mm-hmm. that moment, the funniest part of that is um I set that intention and I said that prayer and then 3 days later on 9, 9, 2009, at 9 p.m., I met a man (laughs) in a bar, the most beautiful creature I'd ever seen in my whole life, who I would have thought never in a million years would he love me because he would be too good for me. And about an hour and a half into our conversation, this had never happened to me before, I heard a voice outside of myself and all it said was this is the man you're going to marry mm. and it was like definitive and it was my voice but it was literally outside of me and so mm. freaking loud and long story short like that man who is in the other room i am married to him we have a beautiful child <laughs> um, he he helped me hold the vision of that intention he taught mm. me to surf he encouraged me to go do my yoga teacher training he knew all of this he let me tell him all of this shit about my past and my life. And when I was done telling him all of it, he sat there smiling and he said, is that all? (laughs) And I was like, that's all I can think of right now. I'm sure there's more bad stuff, you know? And, um, yeah, I did that on our first I did that on that first date after I heard the voice. I said, "Hey, you want to play a game? I'm going to tell you all the worst stuff about me, and if you still want to talk to me in 5 minutes, then we'll keep hanging out."
0: Oh and my god. Wow. Beautiful, crazy, and freeing all at once because I think we stop ourselves from getting into friendships, from getting into relationships, from getting into business, from getting out on social media because we are so afraid if people find out who we really are that we will be turned away or You know, like torn apart. And look, when you bring it, when you brought it all to God, when you brought it all to the person who was right for you, it was more than accepted. Mm -hmm. It was more than, more than forgiven. Mm -hmm. It's like just that massive surrender. And I think that's such a, I know that so many people are probably taking a huge sigh of relief right now to feel like they are not wrong, bad, evil. Mm -hmm. Like they're going to get cast out. I think we all have that fear in our lives. What if someone finds out what I've done? What if someone finds out who I really am? What if someone Mm -hmm. finds out, you know, that I hurt this person, you know, all unintentionally looking back at it, but we have trouble doing life alone. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. The the sentence that,
2: um, always like echoes in me is if they see who I really am, they won't love me. Mm. And like that's what you just said. And I think literally, you guys, this is human nature. Like, if you've ever had that thought, congratulations, you are a human. Yes. <laughs> um, but we're all and yeah, I mean, the radical love that was shown to me by God and then by God through this man, which was like, I I mean, to this day, Lori, there's moments where I'm like, okay, like something, I mean, this is just, you know, something horrible is going to happen or he's going to die or I'm going to die or we're going to, you know, the other shoe is going to drop. There's no way it could be this good. And I see this in you and Chris, like I see this level of love where it's just like, how did we get so blessed? Like how did we, you know? And um, I think it's important to note that like a big part of that, you guys, was the courage
0: Mm-hmm. to
2: rip off the band-aid and be like, I'm going to show you all the ugliest parts of myself. And if you still want to talk to me, great. And I did not expect him to still want to talk to me. <laughs> In oh fact, I was like, I'm going to prove God wrong and I'm going to send, or whatever that weird voice was, I'm going to prove that thing wrong. And this guy's going to go running for the hills. And like, uh-huh. that's going to be that. And oh I'll my be God. back to my
0: fucked up I have life. to ask you about that because I think that I, I believed I was so unlovable that when he just like, like I would bring anything to him. And he was like, yeah. So like, you know, all of these things that I thought I was so bad for from, you know, maybe my religious upbringing or whatever it was, or people telling me I wasn't, you know, whatever that, that, that was that I could not love myself for. Like I'm relating so much to your story because I would bring that to him. like, oh yeah, well, what about this? Isn't this terrible? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, do you still love? Like I would try to actually push him away. Mm-hmm. And there were moments where he's like, you have to stop like you are doing, can you not see that you are the only person stopping yourself from being loved in -hmm. this scenario? Mm -hmm. Like if I leave, it's because of you, Mm -hmm. like because of you pushing me away, not because I want to leave. I Mm -hmm. want to be here. Those are such powerful moments of knowing that, like, what do you do? Do you ever see that come up in yourself now of like pushing certain things away or out of your life?
2: Yeah, my I would say one of my greatest weaknesses is uh, defensiveness. Mm -hmm. So with my, actually, not even just with my husband, but this has happened in in life and in business too. That defensiveness stems from perfectionism and and people pleasing. And stay with me on this. It's basically like if I can't be perfect, or if I can't be the best, or if anybody ever sees the part of me that's like not perfect, then I don't deserve that love. And so I'm going to just like either sabotage it first, or then when it's brought to my attention, refuse it so strongly by being so freaking defensive and so angry and so vicious that, that, that it'll make that person like run away. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, so it's been years of me, like for me, my husband has been one of the people that has helped, um, By reminding me time and time and time and time and time again, like we are a team, I am Mm -hmm. on your side, like we are together in this. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm yeah, I'm not gonna leave you. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, having my dad cheat on my mom and leave at uh, that pivotal age of like 13, and maybe it doesn't really matter what age it happens, like that's traumatic. I always felt like Eventually, there would be something that I would do or that he would see where he would want to leave me. Um, and likewise, I'm, I do this with friends and with business relationships too, to a certain extent, where I have trust and control issues and I struggle to really let people in. I struggle to really let people help me. Um, you know, delegating and building a team is challenging because I feel like I have to hold it all together myself because I feel like, you know, you know, what if they all they all figure out who you really are and mm-hmm. they take off? You yeah. better be able to hold it all together yourself. So, literally, this year is—I uh, set the intention when I turned thirty-three last October, and my word for my thirty-third year was integration.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: I didn't even realize how powerful that intention was because all I really meant was I—I I wanted to integrate these different aspects of my spiritual life like i wanted to be able to reconcile having this deep love for jesus and deep love love for vedanta and yoga philosophy and non-duality um and this idea this non-exclusionary idea that's so freaking radical in the church that like god really does love everyone mm-hmm. and like we really are all okay you know which is like not a really popular idea, depending on where you're hanging out, right? right. <laughs> um, so, my intention was integration of spirituality. But what happened is integration started to occur on all levels of my life. So, I mean, integrating the lessons from addiction and recovery, I mean, integrating the truth of being willing to be loved, that I, all the lessons that I'd learned from these different relationships and now from my husband integrating the lessons in business to be able to rise to the next level. Um, So the past six months really have just been massive integration. And if you think about like, what does that word really mean? To me, it's like weaving together all of these different threads so that they finally make this beautiful tapestry. Mm -hmm. And I think that we compartmentalize our life, we compartmentalize our spirituality from our work, from our love relationships, from our our self-esteem and fitness and wellness. And it's like you know people i can talk a good game about being holistic but this past 6 months has really allowed me to zoom out and be like it is all connected mm. and when you're when you set the intention to heal you better get ready for every aspect of your life to uh <laughs> to heal which is not always you know pretty or pleasant but like mm-hmm. growth and healing are like we're going to pull back the curtain and all your little gremlins are going to be able to come out so that you can let them go. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't even
0: know what the question was. (laughs) Girl, I went (laughs) down a great rabbit hole though. (laughs) I loved every minute of it. But uh, so what I I want to point out and say throughout this whole conversation is really, and it's bringing up so much for me around um, trust and faith and opening what feels closed and opening what wants to keep closing off for safety. Mm -hmm. Um, That safety uh, or that feeling of like, um, just needing to control. Um, that's often what is keeping us in prison. And mm-hmm. so much, you know, speaking of this whole conversation, starting with the event, like I have so much of my, all of my, so many of my lessons are around trusting women. And I think for my event to grow what it is and for me to be open to meeting you and all the women there and to being so held, like you can see how held I am at that event, like Mm -hmm. between the speakers showing up and like giving all that they have to the volunteers, like really, yes, they want to hug you. Yes, Mm -hmm. they are that happy. They want to serve so much that for me to trust that that's the truth, it's like, I have to keep leaning into that because it used to scare the crap out of me. Like and so this is this is the question that I have for you because I find that wherever I'm being tested around, whatever I'm like feeling a bit, you know, lack of faith in um, as far as truly do women want to really support me. It's like when I was having trouble believing that, I then got tested because I would. You know, I'd be like, yeah, I kind of believe it, but in my gut, I wasn't fully having faith or trusting. And of course I would have women who would come into my life and who would use me or leave Mm -hmm. or maybe use something that I've gotten and then turn it around or start gossiping about me or stab me in the back. And then, um, you know, it would just reinforce that I was like, see, Mm -hmm. I told you. So Mm -hmm. I believe that we get the lesson that we're not quite, you know, that, that we're not willing to surrender, like how you were talking about how you really surrendered. Like if you're not really, truly surrendered around, I really want to trust men again, or I really want to trust women, I think it's going to keep showing up to test us. And we oh, pass. hell yeah. <laughs> like, hell we're yeah. not going to pass. <laughs> like, What are some things that are feeling like maybe this year you weren't ready to pass them yet and you could see that, maybe you could share a little bit, but now you're like, okay, what am I doing? What kind of work am I doing around really, I want to pass the test this time?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the biggest ones... I think, and I feel really bold saying this, I, it's still showing up, but it's getting milder, um, was this resistance to moving into the next, uh, what I call incarnation of myself. So I, like I said, I felt like I'd made it in the yoga industry. You know, I taught for a yoga journal conference. I'd, I'd done some big publications. I had sold out my events and all this, but I knew I had this calling on my life and it was writer, speaker, coach. And those are like the three words, right, and so the writer you know I have two hundred pages of my memoirs, which is really going deep into that story of that dark uh, dark night of the soul. The coach part I had been coaching hourly for like the last couple years for my alumni, from my teacher trainings, and um, doing you know what I call damage control coaching now it was like when you coach hourly people come to you when it's really broken. (laughs) And then it's like in an hour, you're supposed to help them fix something, right? But I didn't have the self-worth or the self-confidence to create a high-level coaching program or a container for that. Um, I didn't trust that I could help facilitate real impact in people's lives, or I didn't even necessarily understand that 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 was what I I needed to do. Um, And last spring, I decided I wanted to like, move into coaching, um, and do that more. You know, I have a two-year-old son and he's at home and, and traveling all the time is not good for my family. So I had this intention, but I was so freaking scared, Lori. Like I, it was back to that same question of like, who am I, who am I to do this? Who am I to help other people? Like, look at my past. Like I've been a train wreck. You know what I mean? Yes. I scaled my yoga business to a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, but sometimes money's still tight and sometimes there's still financial instability and sometimes i don't know where the next paycheck is going to come from or i don't pay myself that month right mm. so i it was money like i had this this huge fear around money and my ability to make it consistently and in a sustainable meaningful income and that story Kept showing up for me. Like, I would make a ton of money and then it would just disappear. It was like, where did it go? I don't know. (laughs) I would spend as a form of self sabotage Mm -hmm. that's like related to, you know, addictive behavior patterns. Um, I would um, just in my like eternal optimism somehow think that, you know, $10,000 was like $30,000 (laughs) and it would go a lot further than I thought. And so last fall, so I hired a coach last June to work with her over a 6-month container. I spent a grip of money, what felt like that at the time. I spent $8,000 and then I fully self-sabotaged. I did not show up to the calls. I did not do the work. I was very busy and so I used that as an excuse. I didn't prioritize it, blah blah blah. Come October, I felt the pinch of that. I was like, "You're 5 months into this 6-month container and you haven't done anything mm. you know and my resistance was like I felt like I needed to create a fancy sales pdf and I felt like I needed to I don't know be different somehow or be yeah. I felt like I wasn't legitimate and I felt like like I needed to put on a false front so that people would see me as this coach mm-hmm. successful business lady instead of just in like there. being mm-hmm. myself right so I had a shift and I don't know I can't I don't know what to really attribute this to. I think it was like something in the cosmos at that time, but it may also just be like back against the wall kind of thing. Came to month 5, you know, of my 6-month container and I realized like this is freaking ridiculous. Like you are the one standing in your own way on this and what if you just decide to do it differently? Mm-hmm. And um and I don't really know how to explain it beyond that, but I just decided like I was like i 'm going to do it differently. What if I just give one hundred and ten percent and it doesn 't happen well then i 'm in the exact same situation that i 'm in right now, except for that I know that I tried right, mm-hmm. so I turned it on and um, and started showing up in the fullness of who I am, even more and telling the truth even more and Within a month, I had done eleven thousand dollars in coaching sales. And within, you know, three months I had done like forty-five thousand dollars in coaching sales. I had a full roster of one-on-one clients in a four-month container. And I was making a huge difference in their lives. They were every week they were telling me, like, thank you so much. You know, this is impacting me so deeply. So the money thing, it's still there for me, Lori. Like I'm learning how to accept. Mm. earning money at a higher level and to know that it's supporting and sustaining my family and to know that I don't have to be in the same patterns of self-sabotage of just spending it as soon as it comes in. And I feel like I'm speaking to you a little bit from the from the wound on this one, still instead of the scar, because it and I like don't want to jinx it, you know. Because no. I'm like everything's going really good yeah. right now, probably. Lori. <laughs> but um, but yeah, if I had to be fully honest about like where am I still not fully surrendered, it's in money. And I think for so many of us, like that's probably true. It's oh, it's so really funny. hard to just trust that if you operate in your gifts and you show up and you play at that next level that
0: it'll keep coming. You know, I think that's... And I I think so often we can hear in the self-development world, like, don't speak on it or share it until it's fully healed. Like, you can't teach until it's fully healed. And I think that that is total bullshit because, because I think there's a lot of wisdom in the... Like, when the wound is still open, when you're like, hey, here's how it really feels. And I know you're in it with me. Maybe I'm a little further than you. Maybe yours just happened. But um, there's a lot of wisdom in when you're in the eye of the storm, just in talking about what it actually feels like. Mm-hmm. like. This is where I am. I'm, you know, my intention is getting out, and on the other side, and I can definitely tell it's starting to heal. But here's where where I am right now. So mm-hmm. I actually love hearing that because it meets people exactly, you know, where they're at and gives them like maybe it's the step ahead or two steps ahead or whatever that looks like for them. And it's falling back into
2: like remembering that that especially with. I think with anything that you're trying to change, but especially with money, surrender isn't the same thing as roll over and die. <laughs> mm-hmm. Surrender doesn't mean give up. Um, surrender Surrendering it every single day means every single day I sit down and I do that same prayer of I pray for the exact right clients to come to me, mm-hmm. not for me, but for both of us, where we are able to be that mirror for each other, where I'm able to Bless them so deeply from my experiences. And they're also able to bless me by teaching me how to be a better coach. Because this is what happens in the coaching dynamic that, you know, it's not a one way street, it is a two way street. And your clients, Just like kids teach you how to parent, your clients teach you how to be a better coach because every interaction provides feedback. Every Mm -hmm. interaction provides a mirror. And you're going to attract people if you're listening and you're a coach. You're going to get clients who come to you with your same shit. (laughs) And you're going to really get to examine, like, oh, is that healed? Oh, do I know how to help myself and Mm -hmm. someone else navigate this area of pain in their lives? And so every single day I have to humble myself and remember that it is a privilege to be able to serve in this capacity. And also to remember that it's really easy to fall in the mindset of like chasing the money and getting rather than remembering that the money really is an exchange for impact. And if you believe that in this four months or six months that you can help somebody change the way they view themselves which will reverberate into their business and into their life then the impact of that is worth mm. $10,000 $20,000 whatever it is because it's not a time for money exchange in that container mm-hmm. it's it's a time for impact or it's a money for impact exchange that's going to last the rest of their life mm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it's like i'm just i'm in this Moving into this role of writer, speaker, coach, part of that is being willing to be a spiritual teacher and not in like a, you know, let me stand up on this pedestal and be somebody fancy, but like really be a spiritual teacher, which is like exactly what we're doing on this call. Like be willing to show Mm -hmm. yours first, be willing to. You know, say you don't know when you don't know and, and speak from the wound when that's necessary and keep doing your own work because, you know, that's one of those cliche things that people say in personal development, but who boy, like the higher you rise, the more work you find in yourself that needs to be done. And it's just, as far as I can see, it doesn't, it hasn't ended yet.
0: <laughs> Girl, I from everyone I've talked to, it doesn't end. And like you said, I think it just it becomes a part of your life. So you're like, Ooh, what do we do next? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And sometimes I'm like, Oh God, like that's next. Oh my God. Like, wow. And and now you, the, not the unfortunate, but the fortunate and unfortunate thing is, you know, you have to go there. Like you just, you tend to go there a little bit quicker because you know, it's just your next step in evolution. Like it's the next phase in level until you can, you know, capture or, or meet the princess. Um, yeah. <laughs> but a couple last questions before we wrap, because clearly I could talk to you all day. What does the fear feel like daily for you as far as growing and, and sharing your authentic voice? Like what I want people to know when they are really on their path how it shows up, like, is it butterflies? Is it resistance? Do you find yourself wanting to sabotage again? Like, where do you find yourself every day? Kind of like, oh my God, this is so freaking uncomfortable.
2: Yeah. So one of the things that I know is really important if you want to be a leader, like we've talked about on this call, is being willing to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And this is something that, especially in the social media landscape, uh, it can get a little bit distorted. Being vulnerable doesn't mean being sensationalist, right? It doesn't mean it doesn't mean glorifying the dark parts of you for attention. It does mean asking yourself the question that you just asked me, Lori. Like every day, like okay, where am I really experiencing the resistance right now? Where are things hard? Um, The fear for me, I don't even know if it's fear. I think it's resistance. Like you said, the resistance is in falling back into the ego and falling back into the trying to put a sunshiny face on everything and end every caption on an upward lilting note so that you know I seem like I've got it all together. The resistance is in waking up and then waking up some more and being honest and then being even more honest. And it's like, you know, I feel like this is such a a great opportunity for me in this podcast to practice what I preach, which is like, you know, you may not always feel like the material that you're sharing sets you up to be a leader or paints you in the best the best light, but if you're telling the truth, freedom is going to follow, mm. uh, pretty pretty much across the board in my experience. Um, the fear feels like. You know, right now today, Lori, my husband is a a disabled veteran. He um, did 14 years in the military and tactical law enforcement and was separated because of some injuries. So he does have a little retirement from that. But right now I am like mama is bringing home the bacon. You know what I mean? I'm very much the breadwinner. And so being self-employed and reaching the point where real talk, if you don't make money, like nobody's going to eat. Yeah. The rent's not going to get paid you know what i mean that's freaking terrifying like yeah. it is terrifying and so if you are in that if you are listening and you are self employed or your income's coming from network marketing or um, or w- whatever like even if you you have a job job but it's like it's on you to carry the family like that's hard every day it's hard the days that you know you you nothing's coming through no sales are coming through or you don't feel like you can go to work or whatever like there's always the fear of like What if I stop being able to do it, or what if everything falls apart? Um, and I think that just circles back to like learning to trust yourself and to trust something bigger than yourself that you're still here Mm. like, you are still here, you haven't been let down yet, like, you haven't died yet, you are, you know, if you. Have the technology to be listening to this podcast. Count yourself blessed because mm-hmm. it means you either have a phone or you have a computer or you got something. And like, it's even if it's really a hard, you know, you got something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, the fear is it's still there all the time. The resistance is still there all the time. And I think one of the most important things that I wanted to make sure I said on this podcast is like me being on this podcast, mm-hmm. you guys. <laughs> Really, this was a a stretch. This was what felt like a shot in the dark, (laughs) and I want to tell you how it happened. I was at Bliss Project. It was day two. I was writing in my notebook, and I wrote somewhere in my little Bliss Project notebook, like guest on Lori's podcast next year. Right? (laughs) Okay. This was March first, so about a month, two months ago. Wrote guest on Lori's podcast next year. Monday, I got home. And I'm sitting there and I'm flipping through my, my Bliss Project notebook because I wanted to share some of the exercises that we did with my women's coaching group. And I read the note and I'm just like, why are you going to wait until next year? Who do you think you're going to be next year that is more worthy or more deserving of this experience than, than you are right now? Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm like, okay, well, higher self. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, that feels really scary, you know. So then, so then, higher self is like, yeah, that is really scary. You should do it right now. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, right now, like right now, like I'm sitting at school, I'm on a park bench, like is this really the time. And it was like, yeah, do it now. So I get my Instagram <laughs> out and I send Lori a video message, and I'm like, this is probably crazy, but like, here's my experience that I had at your event, and here's my ask. Right, like I was very straightforward, and I was like, "Lori, I would love to guest on your podcast. I believe I have a message to share with your audience, and I would be deeply honored if you gave me the chance to do that." And I said a bunch of other stuff because I was rambling. <laughs> um, but then I just, I, I sent it and I let it go. Like I was like, "I'm not attached to this. It will happen if, if and when it's supposed to happen, and if it doesn't, I am still so proud of myself." Having the courage to ask Mm -hmm. because it wasn't about you saying yes or saying no, it was about me being willing to ask and Mm -hmm. me trusting myself in that moment that I was worthy of simply asking, right? Mm -hmm. Like, just even that felt like, Who are you to ask to be on this podcast? You know, who do you think you are? So The fear and the resistance are not going to leave you guys, as far as I can tell. They're not going anywhere, Um, but you can move through them. Like fear Mm -hmm. and resistance are not—they're not walls. They're like fog. So even if you can't see, you can still move forward, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Especially if you are able to, to lean on something that's higher than yourself, that intuition or a friend who's a few steps ahead of you, who's calling back to you through the fog and saying, come on, keep coming this way. You can do it, right? Which, Lori, like, I feel like that's what you do every week on the podcast is you're like, come on, guys, keep coming through the fog. Um, <laughs> but I think like, just know that it's not going anywhere. And it's just, you just get more tools and more ability to operate in the fear and in the resistance.
0: Oh, I'm so glad you shared that. And and something that I want to share from my end, because I know that I've also been in your shoes so many times. I'm in your shoes literally right now, just like sending things out and being like, okay, I don't need this, but this is so scary. And oh my God, what are they gonna say? And in what people can feel on the other end. And I'll tell you, I've never gotten a yes from someone when I have been reliant or I think that the thing is going to get me something. It's always been because, yes, it's something that I desire and this would be awesome. But when I have the energy of it going into something that I'm like, I need this and she needs to say yes. And if she doesn't say yes, I'm going to feel rejected and I'm going to view her differently or I'm going to you know whatever. That energy, people actually feel it. Like, oh, yeah, like I actually felt such a freedom around your ask because I didn't, I knew I could say no to you and it would be fine. Mm -hmm. Like, I actually knew you'd be like, Great, thanks, thanks so much. (laughs) (laughs) And there are definitely asks that I get in different ways, and I know I have asked before in the past where I'm like, Oh, that's why that didn't happen for me, is I wasn't ready for it yet because I thought that. Thing was going to bring me something that it was either not going to bring me or that I wasn't prepared for yet. Mm-hmm. 100%. And one oh,
2: hundred percent, your episode God. that just came out about like sometimes the plane can't land yes. because the <laughs> runway is not clear. I was just like, yes, take me to church. Like it's yeah. so good. I How was you thinking
0: could... to myself,
2: oh yeah, <laughs> and and that's so important because you know there are events where I have asked to speak or there's like case in point you guys i set this intention that i wanted to speak i put it out there on social media i was try- i was barking up a tree to speak at a specific event with that energy Lori, that you are describing mm-hmm. the energy of get want have like that energy that's not fit like, in. that's right, where i in the right, right place. Place. i want to fit in with these girls yeah. yes and happen. it didn't ha- <laughs> it did, right it didn't it didn't happen and the next day I got an invitation from TEDx in Ohio of all places but like <laughs> an invitation from a friend who had recommended me and they were like hey we've heard great things about you you seem really cool we'd love to interview you to see if you want to speak at our TEDx mm. and I was just like holy moly set the intention the de- you know the desire was there to be to s- fulfill this role of being a speaker and I was so but hurt that I didn't get this one opportunity over here. And then um an opportunity that was better for me was coming mm-hmm. right behind it. Mm-hmm. Right. So like you gotta let go a little bit. You it's so, so important to set your intentions and it's so important to to give yourself permission to want and to go after the things, yes. but you gotta let go of whether or not it comes through in the way that you think it should come through mm. because it's always going to be this or something better. Mm-hmm. It's always going to be better for you.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah and I want to, I, I just want to add, don't not ask, don't ever stop asking, mm. but always if it's not happening, ask or look back and be like, what can I see what my intention was? Can I see, did I surrender? Did I, you know, what was it that I was really maybe thinking I was lacking or whatever that looks like and just learn from the lesson because I'm not going to stop asking. I'm not going to stop being motivated by maybe the fact that I do want to fit in or whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. But I am going to look backwards and like my friend uh, Jen says, like connect the dots backwards and learn that lesson of maybe why it didn't come through. So, all right. Well, we could keep on talking, but I need... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> For a hundred years. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> what next lesson should we talk about? Great. Cause I'm really just giving myself a lesson. Um, so where can we find you? Where can we follow you? All of that fun stuff.
2: Yeah. You guys can connect with me on the web at stokedyogi.com or on Instagram at stoked underscore yogi. I would love to be your real life friend. <laughs> so I don't think of Instagram as followers. I think of it as friends and, and uh, I'm, I'm down to
0: make new friends. So
2: come say hi. Let's hang out on the interwebs.
0: Yes. And you guys... um Definitely, go check her out. She does a lot of different um, events, retreats, certifications, and we can look for her as a speaker, writer, all of the above coming soon. and And she does it now. So yes,
2: <laughs> yes. Um, we have events happening all summer. If you want to get certified to teach yoga on a paddleboard. If you want to learn to surf, I have a women's surf retreat happening at the end of the summer in sunny San Diego, California. Um, and then TEDx coming soon. To Bowling Green, Ohio. So watch out for that video and lots of speaking engagements I'm sure to
0: follow as they unfold in perfect divine timing. (laughs) And trusting. So I always end on uh, one last question, but I just want to say thank you for being just so open and vulnerable and just sharing everything because I think that that is that's been so powerful for people to be like wow you know maybe i've had some things in my closet or some things that i haven't been wanting to share but really that was probably the most the point in this conversation where i really fell deeply in love with who you are as a human is because you shared you know the really vulnerable moments so just sharing you know showing everybody like those are the those are the places we connect is mm-hmm. those parts that we are so freaking afraid of. And if people don't connect, they're not the right people. Mm-hmm. So um, my last question. <laughs> Let me remember what it is. <laughs> um, okay. So you are in an elevator with someone. It's like a 30-second ride, super, super fast. Um, and they look over at you and they ask you, how can I make myself happy? What do you say? Hmm.
2: Gosh, I would probably spend 10 seconds being quiet as I thought about the answer. Love people. Mm. That's it. Love mm. people. Mm. I really believe that's my whole mission on this planet. Like God found me at, you know, 22 and and I went through all that shit because I needed to be able to have a heart of compassion for people no matter where they were. Mm. But the mission that I was given is to love people the way that god loves them which is real hard <laughs> pretty much impossible <laughs> but every good thing in my life that has unfolded was because i decided to love people exactly the way that they are right now mm.
0: um,
2: and that's what so you're bad. that's what you're finding with me is like just i'll show you all my brokenness and if you still want to be my friend after then cool we can hang out <laughs>
0: And awesome. And and if not, there's going to be lots of... You have to have faith. There's lots of people that will, right? So, well, I'm so grateful for you. And you guys, if you loved this episode, make sure you share it or text it to a friend right now. Shout us out on stories. We'd love to hear your biggest takeaways, what resonated with you the most. Make sure you're tagging both of us so we can respond back. And until next time, you guys, earn your happy. Bye, everyone. more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye. Hey, do you know what the big secret is this year? so many different things if this is the year to capture organize and monetize your community head over to circle.so you can get a free trial and start building your online community right now just go to circle.so you guys you get the 14 day free trial so just go and see if it's for you it's going to streamline everything and make your life so much easier it's so freaking cool
1: They don't like staring at a blank page. It's hard to carry a book around with you or a notepad, and they just don't even know what to write about,
0: or they just forget. That's why I know that you're going to love Growth Day. It's the world's number one system for self-improvement, and it's like all-in-one personal development in an app, and it has an awesome digital journal, and people love it. Growth Day's digital journal has hundreds of research-backed writing prompts for self-reflection, positive mindset, confidence building, and success. I use them all the time and it makes me think in ways that I typically don't and it makes me ask myself better questions, which we all know gets better results in our life. It even has prompts that help you develop a daily, weekly, or monthly habit of reflecting on your life and identifying areas to grow. So it's a perfect time of year to start journaling, you guys. When you sign up at Growth Day, you also get systems for habit tracking, goal setting, and scoring and improving every area of your life. Best of all, I get to teach there too, you guys. I'm so excited. I hope that I get to see you. I teach live in Growth Day every single month with a new topic just for you. So join me there. Start your free trial at growthday.com slash Lori.